for number 50, the big finale, the big showdown, the first face-to-face meeting between Julian Kane and Charlie Gotch since episode one, we have to review the history between these two, and the final scene, and what Julian saw in the basement to explain his lifelong bitterness towards Charlie Gotch. For you now, is an encore of the Julian and Charlie special. Julian opens a large leather-bound address book and leafs through to find a number. He pushes the speaker button on his office phone so the other two can hear. Do you want to know what I think of the WWA? Watch this. Hello. Charlie Gotch. Julian? I just received the telegram from the WWA board. I wanted to let you know as soon as possible. It just couldn't wait. Charlie, I want you to take your demands and your reprimands and stick them straight up your ass. And consider this call my official resignation from the World Wrestling Alliance. You can't just do that. Who the fuck do you think you are anyway? Julian, motherfucker, running Chicago, stealing my talent? You had Thor all along, Charlie. You have no one to blame but yourself. You listen here, Julian. You slimy-eyed son of a bitch. I'm not just here to pull out of the alliance, Charlie. I also have an offer. Giving you a chance to get out before it's too late. What the fuck are you talking about? I want to make an offer to you right now. To buy the American Midwest Territory from you outright. I'll give you two million dollars. Louis and Sal's eyes get big. AMW has ruled the wrestling world since 1950. I'm not selling it to you for nothing. Think about it, Charlie. You can save face. Quit now. And you'll have enough money to live comfortably the rest of your life. Right? How dare you, Julian. You motherfucker. You should probably take my offer now. Because in about a year's time, the AMW will be barely worth $500,000. (laughs) Fuck. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Julian slams the button down and laughs. Greek and Sal are shell-shocked. Fuck that old man. Fuck him. Greek speaks up. Julian, uh, you offer two million dollars. I see the money you throw around these days. The money you spend. uh, Too much. Sal cuts him off. Greek, we got Thor Hansen. Sounds like Donnie Gold's coming too. This will all pay off in the end. I just know it. Have more faith in Julian and let him do what he's got to do. Yes, Louie, have more faith. And thank you, Sal. You're starting to come around. Seeing things my way. Besides, it was a bluff. I just wanted to fuck with his head again. See what other mistakes he can make. I knew he wouldn't sell. He'll never sell. And that's why he's going to die with a broken spirit and without a penny to his name. Hollywood Buddy Melrose, you made it. 
Julian's face lights up with uncharacteristic joy as he sees Buddy Melrose in a business suit in the locker room talking with Marauder number two. Sorry I missed the show. Is Thor still wrestling? I'd like to see him. Yes, go on out there. As Hollywood steps away to the arena floor, Julian turns to Nigel, Hendo, and Louie. You see that? Hollywood Buddy Melrose in the Empire Wrestling Federation. This is how you build an empire. This is how you squash your enemies. Nigel, Louie, and Hendo look at each other like Julian's insane. Nigel, book us the finest restaurant in Atlanta. We're going to celebrate tonight's victory in style. I'll make some calls. Louie pulls Julian aside. Julian, we draw worst crowd for empire in five years. Yet the body melrose walk in, and you act like wrestling war over and we win. You sound like Mark for body or something. He don't even wrestle. He retire. We can't even use him. He's not wrestling. He's working with you, with us. We don't need him. We have Nigel, Hendo, me, plus the others. This isn't about what we gain. It's about what Charlie Gutch loses. Buddy Melrose is his best friend, his partner for decades, the face of AMW for 20 years. And now he's here with Thor and now Buddy. Gotcha's future and his past both belong to me. I knew it. This eat you have with Charlie Gotch. It no business. It personal. From very first start, you always take extra pleasure, hurt Charlie Gotch. Why you ate him so much? Julian turns and looks back into Louis' eyes. You say I have a personal grudge with Charlie Gotch? Maybe I do, but this business is built on grudges. Revenge, hatred, it's why they formed the Alliance in the first place, and why I built my empire. Why do I hate him? Julian turns and looks back into Louis' eyes. I have my reasons. Julian strides away down the hallway, past wrestlers, security, and arena employees, as he pictures himself as an eight-year-old boy, his father, Jonathan Kane, and his mother. See, look, it's a picture frame. New York as an Empire Wrestling Federation, New York. He removes the last of the paper to reveal a blown-up photograph from the Madison Square Garden locker room with the EWF Brain Trust standing arm-in-arm, all smiling and posing. Les Henderson, Nigel Davies, Louis the Greek, and in the middle, Julian Kane with the biggest smile you've ever seen with his arm wrapped around Charlie Gotch's longtime best friend, Hollywood Buddy Melrose. That rat bastard. Julian is a major prick. Not him. I know what a bastard Julian is. But I expected more from Buddy. Look at him. Cozying up to Julian. Just to tease me. To taunt me. Buddy's just trying to move on, Pop. Make a living. Julian Kane is the one who sent this. Like the only person I've ever met who's genuinely evil. I mean, what's his fucking problem? He's already winning this damn wrestling war, and he keeps coming after... you. Eh, who knows? 
That boy was always disturbed. Julian Kane is eight years old in the living room of their three-story house in a row of homes in the Heights in Jersey City, playing with his green plastic army figures on the floor, fighting each other in a bare-knuckle tournament to see who's the toughest in the platoon. Young Julian has largely tuned out the noise from the dining room, his father and his friends who come by the house a few times a year, and always so loud. A high school-aged Sal Spinelli kicks the door open and walks over to Julian, standing over him, his faded mustache barely visible, trying so hard to look older. Hey Julian, get the fuck up! Go get your old man a bottle of Jim Beam from the cellar! You hear me, numbnuts? Jim Beam! Don't fuck this up or you're getting a knuckle sandwich! Sal feigns a punch and young Julian cowers. Heh, <laughs> that's two for flinching! He punches the eight-year-old Julian in the arm twice. Hard. His eyes water, but he refuses to cry. Leave me alone. Not in front of Sal. Go on, get the fuck out of here, you little pussy. Young Julian enters the large dining room through the swinging door, holding the fresh bottle of Jim Beam in his tiny hands, nervously walking. The elder friends of his father while they chortle and laugh amidst clouds of cigarette smoke and the stink of booze in the air. He sees them all, the heads of the World Wrestling Alliance, all but Maggie Hawkins, the red-headed southern lady who never sticks around for these parts. Sal Spinelli, cigarette in hand, is leaned up against the wall on standby to get anything these men might need. He's talking to a younger wrestler who works for his father, bragging about how great he'll be once he finishes his training. Here he is, about fucking time, small fry. Fill me up. The gigantic living cowboy Bert Ironside, a mountain of a man, slams his glass down, startling Julian. Never mind him, boy. I'll take the bottle. The oldest man of the group, based on being the only one with gray hair, says to Julian, Fuck off, Gilmore. Let the boy do it. Julian is trembling, unable to focus, but takes off the cap, tips the bottle, and pours it. He looks across the table to his father, who is talking with the elegant, thin man with the English accent, uh, Nigel. The laughing and noise seem louder than ever to him. He just wants to go back to his toys. Oh, come on, boy. You dumb fuck. You spilled all over. His eyes dart to his father, who still hasn't broken from his conversation. What's with your boy, Johnny? You retarded or something? <laughs> come on, boy, wake up. Jonathan finally turns to his son. That'll be all, Julian. You can go back to the living room and play. Bert snatches the bottle from his hand and Julian scurries to the exit. When the door swings open, and in walks the Olympic athlete, Charlie Gotch. He looks up at the burly and strong Gotch up close for the first time. His thick brown hair sharpened on his forehead into a widow's peak. Julian is frozen in place. Out of the way, boy. You look like you've seen a ghost. Anyway, Jonathan, I wanted to tell you about my boy Nelly. Julian watches Charlie sit right next to his father. And all Julian can do is stare at the man who... Was he a member? No, and that's the entire point. 
He was never worthy. I am. He was a carny, a huckster. I am an entrepreneur, a visionary, legitimizing the wrestling business, breaking down doors, doing things he could only dream of. Isn't that enough? No. I deserve to be at that table. I've earned my place with the elite and will bring prestige to the Kane name, finally. The Hollingsworth Society is an executive class of the rich and powerful, and that is the key difference between us. I exude power. I demonstrate power. My father? Hmm. My father was the opposite. It's 1975, and a floppy-haired Julian Kane walks in from a hot summer night in the heights of Jersey City. He wears a tie-dye shirt and bell-bottom jeans, and he hears a familiar voice from the dining room talking to his father. This biker, we're teaching you to be a wrestler, not a fighter. And he says, I ain't doing any of that fake shit. He said that right to your face. Jonathan Kane is flabbergasted. How despicable. So I bring in Abby and says, uh, Abby here's gonna show you a couple moves and then he takes him down, grabs his leg, and... Oh dear, don't tell me the prince did it. Yep. Charlie snaps the chicken bone. Oh my, must have been the last time you saw that poor bastard. <laughs> Not just him. This one kid, he looked like a, a skinny viking. Oh, tall and blonde and goofy. He took one look, started puking, and walked straight out of the barn. We'll never see that wimp again. <laughs> Any diamonds in the rough? One kid's a natural, a Jewish kid, Goldman. He might have it. Jonathan turns and notices Julian in the doorway, staring at them. Julian, and I didn't see you there. You remember my friend Charlie Gotch, of course, from AMW. Julian doesn't say anything, he just keeps staring. Your daddy tells me you started Harvard Business School in the fall. Uh, very impressive. My boy Nelly just graduated from Minnesota on a wrestling scholarship. And we're gonna wait. Julian turns around and leaves abruptly. Uh, I'm sorry, Charlie. That was very rude. Julian is in the kitchen while his mother does the dishes. What's he doing here? An alliance meeting tomorrow at the Waldorf. He's just stopping by. Really? You just stand here like everything's normal while that man sits in our dining room? I told you before to stop with that talk, Julian. Your overactive imagination will be the death of you one day, I swear. Julian shakes his head as he scratches his stubbly chin. I think I would know something if I was there. Did anyone ever do anything to you? Even lay a finger on your spoiled little head? No, just that meathead Spinelli. Exactly. So count your blessings and drop it. But he's supposed to be your husband's best friend. They're business partners. Don't put a fly in the ointment. We owe everything to this alliance. It put a roof over our heads. Your father can afford to send you to this Harvard because of the alliance. Fine. What were you two talking about so intensely in the kitchen? Jonathan asks his wife and son. You're just talking about how... His mother gives him a stern look of warning. Um, Sal Spinelli always gave me a hard time. I'm sorry about Sal, but every dog has his day. Remember that, son. They all smile and continue eating. So, anyone ever do that to you, Dad? Do something to hurt you or your family? But you still needed something from them. What exactly do you do in that situation? 
Gloria slams the dishes down. No more of this talk at the dinner table. Let's talk about something lighter. Uh, what's the latest on the Vietnam War? What? That's lighter? It's okay, Gloria. What's come over you? I'd be happy to answer, Julian. It's actually a very fine question. And I don't think you're going to hear this at Harvard Business School. I do business all the time with unsavory folk. Or people or businesses I've heat with. Or my friends do. But you still do business. A smart man does. And that's it? You just take it? No. You keep a smile on your face. Keep the relationship warm. But you bide your time. Plant enough seeds that even after you're out of the picture, it'll still happen. What's that exactly? That the threat will be neutralized. No matter how long it takes. <laughs> I guess... It's 1964 in Jersey City at the Kane household. 13-year-old Julian Kane is doing his arithmetic at the kitchen table, while Father Jonathan Kane is going over house show figures for the month, both with pencils and notebooks. Oh, look at my two men. So hard at work. Like father, like son. Julian looks to his father for a reaction until someone walks in. Jenny, my boy, you in here? The near 50-year-old Charlie Gotch bursts into the kitchen Accompanied by a recent high school graduate, Sal Spinelli. Hey boss, I've been working on my Dominic Dante pose. The 20 year old clutches his hands together and sucks in his stomach and puffs out his chest from the side. Think I'm ready to start wrestling yet? Not quite, Sal, but Dominic will let me know when you're ready. In the meantime, lay off the brujou, or that belly of yours is gonna burst. Gloria, give me a sweetheart. He leans in and gives a friendly kiss on the mouth. She awkwardly looks around, forcing a smile, as Julian watches everything. He sees she won't even look him in the eye. Oh, my. Hi, Charlie, come in. Can I get you a drink? Double shivers on the rocks? You get it. Sal walks over to the bottles and waves her off. I got it, Gloria. I'll take care of the old men. Thanks, Sal. Julian, say hello to Charlie Gotch. He's here from AMW in Milwaukee. I remember him. The last time he was here. Surprised he can even see me through that map in his head. Oh, uh, he's trying to be like that new musical group from the Ed Sullivan show. The Mosquitoes. Uh, no, uh, the Beatles. The Beatles. I'm sure everyone will forget you there in a couple years. Just a fad. That's it. Julian, uh, why don't you take your homework into the living room? Jonathan's son gathers his things. How's business in the Midwest, Charlie? How's it going with the new kid, uh... Billy Melrose? Betty Melrose. Hollywood Betty Melrose. I think I can really make money with this kid. Uh, he's got a great future. Respects the business uh, and a pretty good shooter, too. Still think you put too much on these shooters. Julian Kane stands in the doorway, staring, no, glaring at Charlie Gotch. Sal Spinelli grabs the 13-year-old Julian by the arm and squeezes it with a vice grip. I believe the old man said to take your homework into the living room and pushes him out the door. Sal looks back to make sure the door is shut, then punches young Julian Kane in the stomach. <laughs> After Sal goes back in the kitchen, Julian sits down on the brown sofa in front of the TV, clutching his stomach in pain. And the door swings open again, and his mother walks out. How can you do it? She walks to the coffee table and picks up coasters. Act like everything's normal. She walks to the door. I know what he did. She freezes in her tracks and fumbles the coasters in her hand. 
I don't know what you're talking about. But I was eight years old. Last time he was in our house, he took off his pants. Julian, whatever you think happened didn't. You're just an imaginative little boy. Boy, I'm about to be a man. You don't know anything about the world. Just drop it. I know what he did. I was... Enough, Julian. I don't want to hear another word. And you'll say nothing of these figments of your imagination to your father or anyone. I mean it. Swear to me, Julian. How can you just pretend like nothing ever... Swear it, Julian. Okay. I swear. He walks over and turns on the TV. Here. Empire State Wrestling is on. Why don't you watch what puts the roof over our heads for once? Maybe you'll finally start to like it. She pushes through the door as he looks at the television. The pain in his stomach from Sal's punch. Only drowned out by the pain of what's happening with his parents. When he sees something on the screen he's never seen before. A young man steps into the ring. Tall enough to step over the top rope? This man is different from anyone he's ever seen in his life. The 13-year-old Julian is completely entranced as he watches the seven-foot Goliath, and he sees what pro wrestling can be. And for the first time in too long, the pain of the world just fades away. stands in his den listening to Beethoven on his new tape deck in his swanky Manhattan apartment, his son Cameron Kane doing his arithmetic at the kitchen table, while Sarah prepares dinner. He takes another swig from his Chivas Regal drink while staring at an old picture of his mother and father. When Sarah shouts from the kitchen, Julian's here! He rolls his eyes impatiently and walks into the kitchen. Julian, it's here! What is it? On the table! He looks at the kitchen table and sees a gold foil envelope wrapped in a red velvet ribbon. He stops as his eyes flicker. She nods her head as he looks at her. This is it, isn't it? He opens the envelope and sees the parchment paper inside. What he's been waiting seemingly his entire life for. The official invitation from the Sam Worthington Social Society. Yes, Stuart Flaherty and Matthew Rogers came through. I'm in. The next party is soon, Sarah. Tomorrow, you're getting a new dress. You don't have to tell me twice. Julian sets it down carefully like he was handling the actual Declaration of Independence. He looks off to the side, the tear in his eye. Finally, vindication. This is it, Sarah. I have arrived. My father could only dream of being in the Hollingsworth Society. And now, I'm in. She kisses and hugs him. Yes. And to commemorate this occasion, my arrival in the elite of New York City, I've just made an incredible decision. I am going to put Empire Mania in Milwaukee. You're gonna put your biggest show of the year in Milwaukee? Granted, the Mecca Arena will only hold around 12,000 people, but it's not about that. It's the headquarter city of American Midwest Wrestling and Charlie Gotcha's hometown. This Charlie again. What is your problem with this man? I wouldn't even know where to begin. Julian Kane is eight years old. 
the living room of their three-story house in a row of homes in the Heights in Jersey City, playing with his green plastic army figures on the floor, fighting each other in a bare-knuckle tournament to see who's the toughest in the platoon. Young Julian has largely tuned out the noise from the dining room, his father and his friends who come by the house a few times a year, and always so loud. The high school-aged Sal Spinelli kicks the door open and walks over to Julian, standing over him, his faded mustache barely visible, trying so hard to look older. Hey Julian, get the fuck up. Go get your old man a bottle of Jim Beam from the cellar. You hear me, numbnuts? Jim Beam. Don't fuck this up, you're getting a knuckle sandwich. Sal feigns a punch and young Julian cowers. Heh, <laughs> that's two for flinching. He punches the eight-year-old Julian in the arm twice. Hard. His eyes water, but he refuses to cry. Leave me alone. Not in front of Sal. Go on, get the fuck out of here, you little pussy. Julian walks down and finds a bottle in a wooden crate. Then he hears noises. Mother noises. In the back of the basement, he can see the man from Milwaukee, Charlie Gotch, pressed against his mother from behind. Her house dress pushed up against the table, his pants around his knees. She's crying and wailing. He finally stops, and she collapses to the floor, sobbing. Julian is frozen. His white knuckles squeeze the bottle as he walks out of the basement, running away. Julian? Is that you? Eight-year-old Julian walks slowly down the hall, confused, shocked, not knowing everything that was happening, but knew what men and women do and the things his friends at school talk about. Yet this didn't look like fun, and this wasn't with his father. And she did not want this. At all. Trying to make sense of this. The senses overloaded. His world spinning around him. He just wants to go back to the living room to play with his army toys. If he takes this bottle in, he can go back. He can go back to his toys. Young Julian enters the large dining room through the swinging door, holding the fresh bottle of Jim Beam in his tiny hands, nervously walking, the elder friends of his father, while they chortle and laugh amidst clouds of cigarette smoke and the stink of booze in the air. He sees them all, the heads of the World Wrestling Alliance, all but Maggie Hawkins, the red-headed southern lady who never sticks around for these parts. Here he is, about fucking time, small fry. Fill me up. The gigantic living cowboy Bert Ironside, a mountain of a man, slams his glass down, startling Julian, the oldest man of the group, based on being the only one with gray hair. Never mind him, boy. I'll take the battle. Fuck off, Gilmore. Let the boy do it. Julian is trembling, unable to focus, but takes off the cap, tips the bottle, and pours it. He looks across the table to his father, who is talking with the elegant, thin man with the English accent, Nigel. The laughing and noise seem louder than ever to him. He just wants to go back to his toys. Oh, come on, boy. You dumb fuck. You spilled all over. His eyes start to his father, who still hasn't broken from his conversation. What's with your boy, Johnny? Too retarded or something? <laughs> come on, boy, wake up. 
Jonathan finally turns to his son. That'll be all, Julian. You can go back to the living room and play. Burke snatches the bottle from his hand and Julian scurries to the exit. When the door swings open and in walks the Olympic athlete, Charlie Gotch. He looks up at the burly and strong Gotch up close for the first time. His thick brown hair sharpened on his forehead into a widow's peak. Julian is frozen in place. Out of the way, boy. You look like you've seen a ghost. Anyway, Jonathan, I wanted to tell you about my boy Nelly. Julian watches Charlie sit right next to his father. And all Julian can do is stare at the man who raped his mother. This is Lanny Poffel, formerly the genius of WWE, and you are listening to Wrestling's first audio drama, Kings of the Ring. You are listening to the Kings of the Ring Podcast Network. This is it, folks. 50 episodes. Dozens upon dozens of songs, over a hundred different voiced characters, hundreds of sound effects. It all comes down to this. What began in episode one, the eulogy, has been building to number 50. Kings of the Ring is intended for mature audiences. Today's episode would be rated MA for profanity, graphic sexual situations, and drug use. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the night it all changed. Now there's no denying your track record. You were all specialists in each of your fields. And you've all been wrongfully accused of crimes you did not commit. But you're being released for a special project. For America, Colonel Powers O'Reilly, you are going to be in charge. We're depending on you to whip this ragtag group of misfits into a fighting force. No, no. Not just a force, but a team. A super team. What'll it be, Colonel? You accept the deal. You can count on me, Mr. President. Thor, oiled up and shirtless and camouflage pants with huge manacles binding his wrists. Then let the Super Team USA commence. And cut. Daniel Daybreak walks up to Thor and high-fives him. That was most excellent, Thor. Yeah, thanks, but who wrote this shit? I got a guy, why? So I'm in jail for crimes for shit I didn't do, and instead of releasing me, I have to join some team and risk my life? But Thaw, it's for America. And the, the dialogue is kind of the shits. Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. This is just the pilot. No one gives a shit about dialogue. Besides, it was either this or Goldie and the Bears. Follow me. And why are these government people interviewing us without our shirts and all oiled up? They walk over to a group of actors getting their faces touched up for their scene. They look like four bodybuilders, also oiled up with camo paint on their faces and shirtless. Here, Thor, I want you to make the rest of Super Time USI, all of whom I also manage. Flash, Hammer, Ratchet, and Crash. Together, you are Super Time USI. A Captain America-looking figure with a chiseled jawline and a short, bleach-blonde flat top shakes Thor's hand. I'm Donald Frisco, Flash. Nice to meet you, dude. Oh, right. Flash. Uh, with that short blonde hair, you look like Flash Gordon. I get it. Yeah, I managed the golds back in Venice Beach. Uh, I've actually seen you around. Oh, uh, okay. I think you look familiar. And this is Hammer, 
whose brothers were Flash in real life. Can your beloved 